Welcome to episode 18 in our series, Revelation Expectations. We are your hosts, Apostle Charles G. Wright and Dr. Stephanie Wright. Today we will return to heaven in John's vision, where God, with the help of six angels, will instruct Jesus to prepare God's wine press of wrath. The title of today's episode. Today we are uh, giving this presentation from Virginia Beach. So in the background, for those of you who are not watching a video and only hearing sound, you may hear the sound of the ocean in the background and some people also. So just bear with us. We wanted to do something a little bit different. Starting in Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, John stated and said, and I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. This is a celebration of victory in heaven. It opens with the lamb, capital L, which signifies it is Jesus on Mount Zion. This is not the Mount Zion in the earth, but the Mount Zion in heaven. There are 144,000 souls standing with him. This is not an actual number, but is symbolic of those who have been martyred and did not accept the mark of the beast. See chapter 7, where we first discuss the 144,000. And it says, these are they which came out of the great tribulation, Revelation 7:14. These 144,000 have the Father's name written on their foreheads, unlike those who worshipped the beast and took his mark, 666, in their foreheads or in their hands. Yes, you notice that we are looking at a precursor of what's happening in heaven while yet the things are happening in the earth. Nevertheless, verse 2, John said, and I heard a voice from heaven, as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers. In other words, they were harping, playing their harps, and singing a song with their harps. It's like what we do when we celebrate with fireworks, but in this case, it's in heaven. It's the voice of many waters, great thunder, and harpers harping with their harps. So what's happening here in heaven is that they're preparing with joy the expectation of the final round of what we call the Great Tribulation and the third woe. And as we continue in verse 3, the 144,000 are those who were martyred, saying a new song before the throne and before the four creatures and the elders. And no one could learn their song but them. It says they learned the song. Who is their music instructor that taught them this song? Is it Jesus? Will Jesus direct the choir? I was just wondering. That's another thing I was wondering about. It's notable that these 144,000 will be singing a song that no one else can sing. But at the same time, in my heart, I'm thinking, well, I'll have a song to sing that the 144,000 can't sing. Because I will come out of my own personal tribulation, trials, and troubles. And so will you. And moving on to verse 4. Virgin, in this particular verse, is a gender-neutral word. 
The significance is that this group of 144,000 is spiritually undefiled. They followed the Lamb, Jesus, and were redeemed from among the quote-unquote men, which is translated man-faced, that is a human being, whether male or female. Okay. And, and yeah, please note that it says and tells us that they were redeemed, which means that they were not, they were redeemed like we are. They were redeemed from men. They were redeemed from sin. So well, that 144,000 may just be symbolic, yet at the same time significant. And verse 5 says that these 144,000 were not deceivers. They are without fault as they stand before the throne of God. Now we're looking at the six angels. We're starting with the first angel. And this is what John saw. He saw one angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel or the message of God to be preached to those on earth, which includes everyone in every nation, kindred, or those who belong to the same ancestral line that speak the same language. And the people who are in people groups who share the same purpose. The message is to everyone who will receive it. Do, do you not remember when the word of God tells us John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave, okay? And this is who he has given his son for the entire world. And it's this time, still yet, God is offering salvation to people who are even experiencing the persecution and the tribulation and trials that are happening during the breaking of the seven seals. Salvation is still available. Now, moving on to verse 7. There are three messages with a warning that angel 1 brings. The first message is fear God. The second message is give God glory. And the third message is to worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountain of waters. Fountain of waters is interpreted by some to symbolize God's sustaining power. That's from Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, where the Lord calls himself the fountain of waters. And why is this angel telling the people that they are to fear God, give God glory, and worship God? The reason is because judgment is come. Remember, chapter 1 and verse 3 of Revelation says, Blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. In other words, judgment is come. And notice that it says, is come. And don't you remember that we've been told in the scripture, now is the day of salvation? That means present tense as well. There's going to be future as well as present. There has been past salvation. Now there's salvation today. But there's going to be a time that judgment is going to come. And that this is what we see in heaven. It's a prophecy. And the judgment is not always bad judgment, but it's good judgment for those who will receive Jesus Christ, even during the Great Tribulation. Okay. And now we're going to be talking about Angel 2. Do you want to take on Angel 2, Apostle Charles? All right. I'll start it off. In verse 8, we're told that Angel 2 states that Babylon is fallen has many interpretations, but we believe it represents the destruction of all evil establishments that are in the earth and which oppose God from the beginning of time. Evil is destroyed when Babylon is 
has fallen. Notice, some of us believe that Babylon started as far back as in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, when the, when the, the Tower of Babel was created where men decided they were going to do anything and everything they wanted to without the help of God, without God involved at all. They were going into their state of so their own society, their own language. We're going to do it ourselves. We don't need God. We don't care about God's will. But that's going to fall, even though it's, it's significant in the earth today, and many of us are influenced by this deception. So don't be deceived. Babylon and everything that's not like God, it will fall. And we are going to study more about Babylon and this world system in Revelation chapter 16, verse 19, Revelation 17, verse 5, and 18, verse 2. Now, moving on to chapter 14, verses 9 through 11, they read, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Verse 11, and the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receives the mark of his name. So what we see in these verses is what will happen to those who take the mark of the beast. It is self-explanatory. We discussed these verses in the previous chapter 13, episode 17, entitled, The Antichrist, the False Prophet, and 666. And you will notice that you and I do not want to be a part of this wrath. Notice that the title was called The Wrath of God in the very opening of this particular episode. So this third angel is pronouncing the wrath of God for those who take the mark of the beast and worship him. So don't be deceived by anything that's deceptive. Let me say it like that. Everything you see on television, everything you hear on TV, everything you hear from preachers and so forth and so on. Read the word of God. That's where your blessing is found. Verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. This verse is also discussed in the previous chapter 13, verse 10. Those who did not take the mark of the beast were captured and killed but trusting God to bring them to the throne. We see this manifested in chapter 14, verse 12, which says, Here in heaven are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Verse 13 out of chapter 14. John says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they rest from their labors and their works do follow them. In, in contrast, what we see here is that those who endure persecution and trials, tribulation, and even martyrdom, they will have died uh, in faith. So for some of us, I, I tried myself to come, come to an element in my own heart that I'm willing to die for, for the faith that's in Jesus Christ. 
I don't know when Jesus is going to return and this angel is going to make that proclamation so that everyone will hear it. So what is this voice? Is it God or is it Jesus speaking in verse 13? They are joined by the Spirit, whoever it is. This verse speaks to the reward of those who die in the Lord. This seems to mean all those who are still on the earth during the Great Tribulation who die in the Lord will rest from their labors, and the works they did will follow them. I guess it could mean anyone who dies in the Lord, those who will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. If I can just inject this thought, well done is being well heard. In other words, you can't do well done unless you hear the word of God and believe in the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Verse 14. And I looked and behold a white cloud and upon the cloud one set like unto the son of man having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. This is another self-explanatory verse Apostle Charles. Jesus, Jesus appears on a white cloud with a golden crown and in his hand is a sharp sickle, an instrument whose purpose is to harvest crops. The next verse tells what Jesus will do with the sickle. Verse 15 reads, And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is right. So you see here that this is angel number four who came out of the temple in heaven, the temple in heaven, not the temple in the earth, and who cried out to Jesus and gave him the instructions that it's time now to thrust in the sickle and make a reaping, reap the souls, for the time is come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe and ready. It is time for the judgment of the wicked. In other words, reap out these souls now. Separate the uh, tares from the wheat. Separate the uh, wolf and sheep clothing from the true sheep. Because that wrath is only for certain individuals. Verse 16 says, And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Again, this is self-explanatory because Jesus does what the messenger of God tells him to do. He thrusts his sickle into the earth and reaps out those who have not done what verse 7 told them to do. And that is fear God and give glory to God for the hour of judgment is come and yeah. worship him that made heaven and earth and sea and the fountains of water, waters. Jesus will not reap those who are his. Remember the parable of the wheat and the tear? Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. Well, Jesus knows the wheat from the tear, the weeds, and will only reap the tares from the earth. He will not reap his own. Yeah. Now, this is judgment. Don't forget this is a separation of those who are followers and believers of Jesus Christ, even like the 144,000, even like those who have been martyred, like St. Stephen's. So we see here Jesus is doing something. He is doing the separation. He is the Lord of the harvest. He's the Lord of the wrath of God. So now, verse 17, we are coming up on Angel 5. Angel 5 comes out of the temple in heaven, and he also has a sharp sickle 
And then moving to verse 18 through 20 appears angel 6. Do you want to read 18 through 20, Apostle Charles? Ooh, okay. And another angel, this is angel, which one now is this one? Angel 6. Angel 6. Came out from the altar which had power over fire. We're talking about the fiery altar, you guys, where the sacrifices are made. And cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, the angel with the sharp sickle, who told Jesus, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe for God's wrath. I threw that in there for your understanding. And then the angel thrust in his sickle, into the earth. Now, this is not Jesus. This is now the angel thrusting in a sickle and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. So what we have here, angel six, who came out of the altar and had power over fire. And what we believe from our studies and the commentators, some of the commentators we had, that that is the altar where the prayers are. It is where the incense is, and the incense, this angel that had the power over fire was also this the angel that was taking the incense and offering the incense up over the prayers of the saints. And angel six tells angel five to thrust in his sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And if you notice... It's from the altar this fire comes from. And do you not remember in earlier study how that the martyrs, earlier martyrs, were under the altar asking at God, when, when is it that they would have uh, their prayers answered regarding the ones who had brought them to their death? When will it happen? Well, we're just seeing here right now that this angel is God hears the prayers and he commands the angel what to do. The angel tells another angel what to do. And the wrath of God is on the way. So in verse 19, uh, this angel is gathering the harvest that Jesus has reaped. Remember, Jesus came in first with his sickle. And then the other angel comes in and he's gathering the harvest that Jesus has already reaped. And God's wrath is about to be seen after the angel thrusts his sickle into the earth. He then casts the vine of the earth into the great winepress of the wrath of God. But this is not a winepress that presses wine. No, it is not. This is a winepress that causes destruction forever and is useless it's useless grapes because they did not worship god they took the works of the devil it is a wine press that is outside the city and what is pressed out is the blood of all those who rejected god it's not wine and perhaps the blood was of the persecutors of those who were martyred those who persecuted god's people this is their blood that is being pressed out of the wine press. It is the wrath of God that is being manifested. See chapter 13 and verse 10, where it said, He that leads into captivity shall go into captivity, and he that kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. So those who took the saints of God and those who were living for God, those who took them into captivity, are now the ones who are captive. 
and those who kill the saints of God and the martyrs and the martyrs of God, they are now the ones who are killed with the sword. And how, and how does the Bible describe this Apostle Charles as far as how much blood came from this wine press of God's wrath? Well, I will answer that, but I want to inject the thought that these that killed with the sword will be killed with the sword. I believe that they will be killed with the sword of the judgment words of God. His word is like a sword. Remember, Jesus stood with a sword at the very beginning of Revelation. Go back and read it where John saw him for the first time in chapter one. Of course, um, this blood, which is, it says there was so much blood that was in this wine press of blood press, I'd like to call it, of the wicked, that it reached the horse's bridles. It was very deep, extended for 200 miles. Of course, uh, some say 180 miles. And of course, some of you uh, may recall the gospel song, Mine Eyes Have Seen the Glory of the Coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth, which is his word, is marching on. In this case, the sword is a sickle. And the trampling of the wicked is not grapes, but it is those who rejected Christ. So we are talking about an actual sickle um, that killed people. And the word can certainly prick the heart and hopefully bring people to the Lord. But in this case, in the last days, it's going to be a sickle. And I believe it is a literal translation of what is going to happen. So this is a good time for you to think about this. If you have not accepted Christ into your life, we invite you to do so now. Ask Jesus to come into your life and into your heart and receive him as your Lord and Savior. Absolutely. You do not, and I do not, and I will not, because Jesus lives in me. I will never know the wrath of God in this way, and neither will I have that kind of death, because that death is referred to as the second death. So thank you for joining, joining us today, and until next time, may God be with you. May God bless you. May his peace, power, and protection cover you. Yeah, get under the blood of Jesus. You won't have to lose anything. Don't be left behind. Until next time. If you want to contact us or comment on this podcast, please visit our website at cgmissions.com forward slash podcast where all episodes are available by category and series format. You may also view these episodes on our YouTube channel, the symbol at CG Missions, Inc. or INC. This is Apostle Charles. Until next time, God bless you. Charles George Missions is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Donations are tax deductible. Donations may be made through our website, cgmissions.com.